Hi there, and welcome to the Oompal.com podcast. I'm Oli, and for episode number 37, we're crossing the pond to chat with a remarkable and remarkably young pipe maker, Chris Asquith. I love Chris's work, and I have a feeling you will too. I had planned to do the entire interview with my very best British accent, but since that is A, trite, B, annoying, C, condescending, D, no better than Dick Van Dyke's horrible job in Mary Poppins, E, all of the above, I decided not to. Your correct answer was E, by the way, and Bob's your uncle. The following podcast is made possible by PipesAndCigars.com. Hey, if you didn't get in on trying your hand at blending your own tobacco over at Pipes and Cigars Fusion Lab, I hear they're going to do it again. But check this out. Go over to their site, PipesAndCigars.com, and check out everybody else who did get in on that bandwagon. It's really cool. Um, Take a look and see what everybody else did. There's some really cool names of different tobaccos that uh, some folks did. Pretty funny stuff. Um, a lot of people entered the contest. There's some really cool mixes up there for you to try out. I happen to have some Vengeance with me this morning, and I've been puffing on that. And if you go to the Fusion Lab area of PipesAndCigars.com, you can find it there. It is Vengeance by S. Horton. And listen to this description. Let me pull it up real quick. Okay, Vengeance is a Balkan Oriental blend with plenty of smoky Cyprian Latakia, rich Smyrna and Izmir Orientals, and rounded off with sweet Virginias. This blend is very robust, naturally sweet, and very cool burning. The name was inspired by Romans 12:19. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. I hope you relax and enjoy this delicious blend while letting go of the grudges and injustices that weigh us down. Dear Mr. Horton, what a nice blend you put together. How how nice. Uh, here's my two cents. Are you ready? First of all, um, I prefer English blends. So already, you know, there's a point for it. I don't know if you've ever tried Coniston, but it reminds me of Coniston if Coniston were made into a heavier English blend. It is a very cool, lovely English blend vengeance is and i wholeheartedly recommend it grab some and let me know what you think uh go to the fusion lab over pipesandcigars.com check out vengeance by s horton and pick some up for yourself while you can i don't know how long this is going to be up there hopefully a long time because i love the stuff um all right the following podcast was recorded on march 29th 2012 sit back Grab a pipe and stay a while. I hope you enjoy. Okay, on the line with us today, we've got Mr. Chris Asquith. Chris, how you doing today, buddy? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Doing great. Chris, first of all, tell us uh, where you're located. I know you're in England, but that's kind of vague to me. I have no idea where stuff is. So tell us a little bit more about where you are and a little bit more about yourself, how old you are, and that kind of thing. Okay, um, I live in Plymouth, which is... Right down in the southwest uh, tip of England. Uh, I'm 25. Uh, I've been making pipes now for, ooh, about five years, actually. And 
tell me about where you live there. Is that near anything else that I would possibly recognize, or how far are you away from, from some place that I might know? Um, well, everybody, well, all Americans seem to know London. Uh, I'm about three and a half hours from London. Okay. Uh, but Plymouth itself is famous as the last stop-off point of the Pilgrim Fathers. That's what everybody knows it as. Right, right. So, um, are there? Do you get lots of tourists in your area then for that? We do get a lot of tourists. A lot of um, American tourists, funnily enough, uh, they all want to come and see uh, the Mayflower Steps where the Pilgrims left. And so that's pretty close to your house, then, eh? Uh, yeah, it's about fifteen minutes away. Very close. Excellent. Um, so. You said you're 25. You've been making pipes for what did you say, five years? Yeah, it's five years this year. Wow. So you're you're a pretty young carver, um, as as far as that goes. Uh, tell me how you got started, and tell me how you got started making pipes, but also um, how you got started smoking pipes and just into pipes in general. Well, I uh, at first I was into cigars when I was about 18, um, and I I've always enjoyed cigars, and I still enjoy cigars now, but there was just a curiosity about pipes. It just seemed something something different, something slightly more unusual. Uh, so I picked myself up a pipe on uh, eBay, and I thought, well, oh, this is a good place to get started. Uh, I had to do some restoration work on it to begin with before I could even smoke it. So that's how I really got into the, um, the practical side of pipes, was through restoration. It was just a, a cheap way for me to uh, buy pipes and start smoking them. So I I got a couple of pipes off eBay, restored them, started smoking them, learned everything I needed to know off the internet, uh, and then I joined my local pipe club. And that's where I met a pipe maker who saw my restoration work and asked me if I'd like to have a go at making pipes in his workshop. Wow. Uh, that's a pretty cool way to get started. Uh, tell me about it your local. Very lucky. Yeah, tell me about your local club there. What is what is that like? It's uh, the Southwest Pipe Club. It's we don't have a huge amount of members. Um, I'd say probably about twenty five members in total, and about go maybe a dozen meet up on a regular basis. Uh, we only tend to meet in the summer now because of uh, smoking restrictions in this country so we can't meet indoors anymore which is unfortunate but we get together um, every few weeks during the summer months and just share tobaccos talk about pipes and various other things that we digress into usually so tell me about that pipe maker that first got you started um, into making pipes the pipe maker was Paul Hubart, who makes uh, Larison pipes, who's an American who lives about, well, just under an hour away from me here. And he was a member of the local pipe club. And at my first meeting that I attended, he was also attending. And uh, we were introduced there. And then it was after that that he invited me down to his workshop after he'd seen some of the work that I'd been doing uh, restoration-wise. And how long did you uh, work with him until you started to think, uh, gosh, I probably need to start uh, getting together my own tools, my own workshop, that type of thing? Well, we, we had a good arrangement. Uh, Paul said that 
he was happy for me to make pipes in his workshop with his tools and I could sell them if anybody wanted to buy them but any money that I made I had to reinvest back into my own buying my own tools and equipment to set up my own workshop so it was probably about six months before I had uh, enough tools that I could do a lot of the work at my own workshop and then quite soon after that I'd built up enough and I was working more on my own but I still visited him quite regularly for advice and also just you know just to hang out and talk pipes and play around with machines and toys and things like that so so um tell me about uh how far away does is was that workshop from or is that workshop from where you live uh it's probably about 30 minutes 40 minutes by car not not too far and when you first um got into this you didn't have a car so tell me that little story because i read your bio which is very interesting by the way so um tell me a little bit about how uh actually getting a car plays into this well at first the only way i could get down there was by getting an early bus uh which i used to go on my days off from work so i would get up on my day off earlier than i had to get up to go to work on a normal day then get a bus that would take about an hour and then got me fairly close to where Paul lives. Then he would come and pick me up from uh, the, the bus stop. We'd make pipes all day till uh, sort of dinner time. Then he'd take me back to the bus stop so I could get the last bus, which would again would take an hour to get me home. So I would have a work day on my day off that was longer, harder than my normal work day. Uh, because, but it was more fun, so it was all worth it. But then I, I was already um, taking driving lessons, and it gave me a bit more impetus to uh, get on with it, so I could get a car, just so I could really, so I could go down and visit him more easily, um, without having to take such long bus rides all the time. Wow. So, um, you know, here, here is is what I'm hearing as a guy that's so committed to getting started with making pipes that that you had to actually buy a car yeah pretty much obviously (laughs) there are there are other advantages uh (laughs) but it really did give me a a target to aim for was just so that i could visit his workshop more easily yeah absolutely um tell me what it was like starting out working in the workshop was it was it a pretty daunting thing or, or had you worked with uh tools like that before or you know was this you know all totally new stuff I'd worked with some of the tools before. I was doing, um, obviously I was doing some restoration work. Uh, I had some tools in my workshop to begin with. Uh, I was also doing some silversmithing work that I'd done night school classes in. Um, Again, just as a hobby, really. So I I was quite comfortable with tools, but I'd never used a lathe before. I'd never used some of the equipment that Paul had. And uh, it was definitely a learning experience working with these new tools and he he threw me in at the deep end it was a case of he said i'm going to make a pipe start to finish and then i'm going to give you a piece of briar and a a preformed stem and then you're going to make a pipe from start to finish while i carry on with some other things and if you need any help just give me a shout wow uh what do you find um, is your your favorite part of pipe making? 
finishing, probably, just because when working on a pipe, there's so many things that can go wrong. I, I, I can make a mistake. The briar could have a flaw. Something could go badly wrong. And there really is no better feeling than taking the finished pipe when the final polish or uh, waxing is done and putting it down in the box with the other finished pipes and saying, you know, that's done, I'm happy, I'm, I made it through, sort of thing. Right, right. What, do you, what would you say is the most challenging part of pipe making to you? Probably, actually, just starting on a pipe. The, I find the hardest thing to do is to come to a decision of what I want to make. I have the block of briar in front of me and I have an idea usually about what shape I want to make in the first place. But it's just simple things like deciding what stem material, if I want to use some accents, whether I'm, you know, what kind of variation I'm going to do on this shape. Uh, and actually deciding on that and starting and making that initial cut into the block of briar. That's probably the hardest bit. But once, once I'm going, everything's okay then. Um, speaking of which, how do you start when you start carving? Do you uh, begin working on, on paper as far as shapes go? Or um, do you actually start you know, drawing right on the wood? Or, or do you start just carving right on the wood based on, based on what the wood looks like? It tends to depend what, uh, what kind of project I'm working on. If I'm working on a commission, I will often have paper drawings, uh, sketches, templates all planned out because I'm working to a set design. If I'm making something just for the website or for a retailer, then <clears throat> I will more often than not pick up a block of briar and decide what do I think this would make um, you know, the, the best. Then pull out other templates that I've used in the past or maybe just start drawing straight on the block if it's a really unusual shape. What um, Do you enjoy making any one shape more than any other shape? Probably the billiard is my favourite my favorite shape to make. It's My favourite shape of all is probably the bulldog. I like making variations on the bulldog. But my actual favourite that I actually enjoy carving is is billiards and billiard variations. It's uh, just something about something about them that is just they seem to come together very well. It seems a very natural shape uh, for me to make. So uh, that's probably my favourite to make. Yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of uh, the billiard shape. I think it's it's my favourite, even though my my entire site is called Umpal. Dot com. Um, I think my favorite shape actually is a billiard. Um, we chose, my wife and I decided on that name just because we thought it was kind of a quirky name that people would remember, um, and it had something to do with pipes. But, um, yeah, I, I'm with you on the billiard as, as far as just there's something about it that's just kind of, you know, so so wonderfully uh, pipe-like um, yeah. that there's just something kind of magical in that in that basic um um pipe shape you know i i can see why it became such a popular shape as well because when you're making a pipe it seems to it it's very naturally within the, the shaping of it i just find it very natural is the only word that really works it just emerges from the block quite well i find and you can 
you can make cross grain, straight grain. It, no matter which orientation of grain you choose, it always tends to look good. Um, it works very well uh, in different proportions. You can make very long and slim. You can make short and fat. It's, it always seems to look good to me. Although a lot of people will say it's the hardest to get right. And I think that's true if you're trying to make a very, very classic billiard. But for making variations, you can almost do exactly what you like and you'll still end up with a pipe that, that looks good, in my opinion. Do you enjoy smoking one shape more than any other? I have no preference when it comes to shape um, for smoking qualities. My, my collection is very varied. Uh, the only thing I would say is that I tend to like straight or very slightly bent pipes. I'm not really a fan of uh, heavily bent pipes, and I don't have very many. But as for bowl shape, I have a lot of billiards, funnily enough, um, and I like uh, bulldogs as well. But there's no, no particular shape that stands out to me as a particularly good smoker. Do you have a pretty uh, fairly large collection? I used to have quite a large collection, um, but I did sell some of it off uh, to buy tools so I could make more pipes. It seemed like a, a wise thing to do at the time. So, What tobaccos are your regulars? At the moment, I'm smoking quite a lot of um, Boswell's Christmas Cookie. It's uh, tobacco that I was introduced to last year by a friend. He gave me a big bag of it to try. And I found, partially I think because it's very user-friendly, and very good for people who are around with you. And because I smoke a lot um, in public with friends and other people at, at bars or pubs, um, I find it's quite. other people are quite happy to have you smoking it next to them. And I find it a very satisfying smoke and a very tasty smoke. Uh, but my favourite tobacco of all time is probably a Scudo. And that's, uh, but I don't tend to smoke that one so much in public, as I find I need to sit down and relax and concentrate on that more than I do with the Christmas cookie. What pipe do you smoke the most? Uh, it would probably be my traveling pipe, which is a reject pipe I made last year. Out of, uh, it was a practice pipe made out of strawberry wood, and it had a big crack in the side of it, and there was no way I was ever, ever going to be able to sell it, but I... I patched up the crack and fitted a stem and sandblasted it just to see how it would turn out. And it's a perfect pocket pipe. It's only about four and a half inches long. It's very stout, uh, good bowl size on it. And if I lose it, break it, or stolen or anything, I don't care because it was it was a reject. So, so that's the one I probably smoke the most just because it, it tends to go most places with me. You said that um, you're out quite a bit in public um, smoking, and, and I know you mentioned the smoking bans that are, that are apparently getting worse over there. Um, what is the basic attitude over there as far as the public goes towards pipe smoking as well as um, you know, the laws that are, that are changing? Well, the law here at the moment, basically you can't smoke indoors anywhere except your own home and some other minor exceptions. Uh, so you're stuck smoking outside. <clears throat> but as, as far as pipe smoking goes, most people, I don't think they really even consider it. It's, if, if you say to somebody you're a smoker, they automatically assume it's cigarettes. 
And if you do start smoking a pipe, people kind of look at you as just a bit unusual and more of a, well, I suppose a slight novelty. Um, what carvers or brands inspired you when you first started out? Uh, when I first started out, obviously I had uh, Paul as was a very big inspiration, mostly because I had access to pipes he was making at the time. So he was somebody that was very at the forefront of uh, what I was making. But I also was quite uh, inspired by a lot of the American uh, artisan carvers, people like Rad Davis, Brian Ruthenberg, Larry Roosh, Todd Johnson. Uh, they were the probably because they were the people that I could see their work very easily on the internet. I mean, if it hadn't been for the internet, there would be no way that I could have done any any research into pipes uh, because there's just you wouldn't be able to find pictures of uh, pipes that easily otherwise. So I'd, I'd say just pretty much the American carvers because they were just there and available. Um. Were were any of them, you know, you mentioned some of them, uh, Todd Johnson, Jody Davis, um, some of those guys. Did you reach out to any of those guys along the way? Uh, not really, uh, mostly because being over here in the UK, and I, I work very well when I can see something in progress and either watch it being made there and then or talking to the person who's making it. Uh, I, I don't work very well just from uh, a conversation, whether it's, whether it's a phone conversation or an email conversation. I'm the sort of person that needs pictures and hands-on experience. So that's why I was very lucky that there, there was a pipe maker here that I could um, talk with and work with. But I don't think I would have got too much benefit from talking to people, uh, talking to other pipe makers, if I couldn't actually be there with them when they were doing their thing. It sounds like you had a really um, wonderful kind of serendipitous setup there um, with your mentor, and um, it, it sounds like it worked out very nicely. What a what a, a, a very nice thing that he did. It, he was very, very kind to me. Uh, I, I can't thank him enough, really, because not only did he give me a very good hobby but eventually that's turned into a very good business so at what point did you decide that it was no longer going to be a hobby for you well i didn't really have much choice in the matter um i was working full-time when i was making pipes as a hobby and then uh economic changes were made to the business shall we say uh and um i lost my job as well as everybody that i worked with so I was put in the situation of there were there were no jobs around for me to go into. So it was the case that uh, I left my job on the Friday afternoon. We closed up the shop and never went back. And on the Monday morning, I went out into the workshop and did what I would normally do on my day off, which was to make pipes. The only difference was this time I was making pipes to uh, feed myself. Wow. That's... Uh... <laughs> That's a big step, and it, it's kind of uh, um, one that that just s certainly kind of uh, happened to you. Very, very interesting. And how how has that been going? So far, it's it's been going well. It, I, I never 
I never expected it to be a replacement. Um, it wasn't even really meant to be a stopgap. It was more just the fact that I had nothing, nothing to do. There were no jobs available at the time. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll make pipes both to keep my sanity a little bit so I'm not just sat around doing nothing. And also, potentially, I can bring in some money at the same time. I was already selling pipes uh, before that, and I was lucky in that my workshop had just got to the point where I was not quite self-sufficient in my uh, in my tooling, but I had enough there that um, I could make pipes uh, productively and efficiently enough that when I was selling them, I could you know bring in enough money to actually pay some bills. And so I just said to myself, I'll start making pipes and I'll keep making pipes until it doesn't work anymore or people stop buying them and so far that hasn't happened so I, I don't quite consider it my my job yet it's just a very long-term stop yet hobby <laughs> right well um, I certainly hope you keep making pipes and and, and are able to uh, make that your full-time career because you make you make a really fine pipe. I have, as you know, uh, one of your yep. short um, nose warmers that is in olive wood uh, with a white stem. My wife bought it for me for my birthday, and um, you know, I was I, I sent her every so often. I'll find um, a new pipe maker uh, or some pipe I've never seen before, and I'll, I'll send her photos of it just to, just to share with. Um, with her, you know, hey, can you believe this? Look at this guy, or 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 look at this carver, and you know, look how amazing. And so, um, you know, I I found your I can't remember how I found your work, but I was just blown away at at how beautiful it was and how really pristine and and the way that you work with shapes um, really caught my eye because it's got some sort of um, minimalist quality that is very defined and uh, you know your your style is um such that to me when i look at it i i can tell i can see your voice there and and that's really hard to do i think for a lot of of folks who are just coming out and so to see a, a body of your work uh the way i did it was just um it really, I saw you as someone who, as an artist, was set apart from um, a lot of folks that I've seen because it had a, um, a similar voice to it that really resonated with me. So anyway, um, I sent her some photos of some of your work, and she was like, wow, this guy's you know really cool. This is really neat stuff. And so, of course, she started emailing you saying, hey, you know, I want to I want to get this this pipe for uh, my husband, blah, blah, blah. And so she sh surprised me with this wonderful little olive wood nose warmer. And uh, it has just been an absolute great smoker for me. And it's just a just a gem, just a lovely little, beautiful little quaint pipe. And um, you, just, you do some fantastic work, and I really appreciate uh, what you do, what you put into your work, into that body of work that you have that has that really nice... Um, voice to it. Well, I'm really pleased to hear that. It's uh, comments from customers that 
really drive me when I'm making pipes. It's probably the the best side of sometimes it can be the worst side of the business. Um, it's certainly the most probably the most boring side of the business doing the humdrum shipping and paperwork and all those sort of things. But the best the best part is when a customer emails you and says, My pipe arrived and it's brilliant, I'm smoking it now, I really love it or if they if they go into detail like you have there about what what you like or even if it's just a simple pipe arrived and it's great. It's uh that's a really good feeling when that happens. How do you like working with olive wood and morta and how does that vary from Briar? Um Olive wood, it's not the easiest to work with. It's very hard. It's very hard to sand uh, and get scratches out when you're when you're polishing it. But it does smell absolutely fantastic. Uh, Briar smells nice when you're working with it. The sawdust has a nice, almost kind of a popcorn smell to it. But olive wood just has the most amazing smell. And then in contrast, mortar smells awful, absolutely terrible. It kind of smells like smoky barbecue gone bad. It's <laughs> a really, really bad, almost slightly sulfurous smell. It's not nice at all. Uh, it's very hard wood. Uh, it wears out the abrasives that I use very quickly. Uh, it takes a long time to shape it as opposed to... that Briar reacts very well on a sanding disc, sometimes too well, and you can take off too much material but mortar is very, very hard and resistant, and it always seems to fight being shaped. And then, But it, it's also, at the same time, very fragile because of the grain structure, and it can quite easily split or crack or fall apart. It has some terrible hidden flaws in it, much worse than briar. I probably scrap more mortar pipes than I do briar pipes because of flaws. But the end result is a much different pipe that has... Uh, it, it's lighter than briar. It's definitely got a, a unique characteristic when you're smoking it. It kind of adds almost like a salty smokiness to the smoke. Uh, and it's very, very good. And also, it's it's a different material to use. It's nice to work with something different and fairly unique. It's becoming a bit more popular now. Um, but it is nice to work, especially because I use English mortar or English bog oak. And unless, or as far as I know, I'm the only pipe maker that is using that. So that's quite cool. Um, you know, tell me about strawberry wood, because you mentioned that too. Yeah, I've, uh, I only started using strawberry wood uh, about the end of last year. <clears throat> I, I was really intrigued by it, mostly for its blasting qualities, because it has the most amazing, craggy, wild blast. Uh, so I just thought, I'll give it a go and see what it's like, and I got a few blocks to test from my uh, from my briar supplier, and it was working with it. It's very very similar to briar. It has a, a very similar texture. Uh, it uh, it sands in a similar way, but the grain is much more open and much more unusual than uh, than briar, and you certainly don't get straight grain or bird's eye in the same sense. But it really comes into its own when you take it to the sandblaster because then you get really deep, really, really deep sometimes, and wild sandblasts out of it. And smoking qualities very similar to Briar as well. I think it's slightly, slightly sweeter 
uh, tasting. But that only lasts until you get a bit of cake in the bowl, and then it smokes just like briar. Very good uh, heat resistance, very cool, dry smoke. I, I like smoking my strawberry wood pipe. I'm looking um, on your site right now. Um, first of all, tell me, as far as strawberry wood, briar, um, olive wood, morta, would you say you make most mostly briar pipes? And then if so, what comes next? It's mostly briar. Uh, then it would be mortar second. Uh, probably, probably about two-thirds briar, one-third mortar. Uh, the strawberry woods... I I can't really tell you how many I've, I'm making at the moment because it's still a fairly new material for me. Um, I've probably made about 20 or 30 pipes out of it so far, and they, they've sold quite well, so I'm hoping to sort of... I'll probably bring it into about 50% briar, and then the other 50% will be made up of mortar and strawberry wood. Uh, and olive wood, I tend to make more on commission, uh, these days, because the the prices for olive woods, it's always lower. Uh, there isn't as much demand for it. I, I still enjoy working with it, but I tend to just leave it now and, until somebody asks me that they want an olive wood pipe. I'm looking at your site right now, and in the gallery area, there's this amazing um, kind of a whitish-looking pipe, and the stem looks to be... Um, like a translucent green and and maybe a hint of brown in there. What is that stem? The stem is polyester. It's a material that I use almost exclusively on uh, on my pipes. I do use Cumberland from time to time, and I always keep uh, ebonite on hand for commission pieces. But my main stem material now is polyester, which I get as a cast rod and then all the stems are hand cut from it. And I love it as a stem material. It's not the easiest to work with. It's a lot harder to work with than acrylic, for example. But uh, the colours are fantastic. The patterns are fantastic. Uh, it's got really nice mouthfeel as well. It's not as hard as acrylic. It's much closer to ebonite in its mouthfeel but doesn't suffer from any oxidation problems or anything like that. And it's it's a really great material. I've been using it for about three years now since I started uh, using it, and I kept expanding my color range. And once I was able to get it in black, then it became my, my standard stem material. So probably at least 90% of the pipes that I make and sell have polyester stems now. No. That is really uh, quite an amazing color there, and 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 the pipes quite amazing too. Um, so tell us where can we buy Askwith pipes? You can obviously buy them directly through my site askwithpipes.com. Uh, I have a number of retailers across America, uh, uh, well across the world, I guess. Um, <clears throat> my main re- retailer is smokingpipes.com. Uh, you can also find me on Quality Briar, iBriar, thebriarpipe.com. Uh, I have some pipes at Ewan Reese. Uh, I sometimes sell them to a French site as well. So there's plenty of places to get them, but you can obviously also email me direct if you want to uh, commission a pipe or buy a pipe off the website. Excellent. Well, I can, for one, say that... Um 
because I have one of your pipes and I know just how quick um, um, you were able to get it to me a lot a lot quicker than than I imagined for um, for something that was was actually a, a commission piece um, I can speak to the not only the quality but um, what a great what a great um, customer service aspect you, you you bring to the business too. So it was it was a, it was a very quick turn as far as that goes. And I'm not promising I'm not I promising the uh, <laughs> the listeners that you'll always be able to give um, quick turns. But um, it was a very good experience for me, and I really appreciated it. And um, tell me something: what do you do uh, when you're not making pipes? What do you like to do? Uh, I I like to make all sorts of other little bits. I'm I'm hoping to get into wood turning a little bit and turn some bowls and other little things. Uh, I've I've got a lot of the equipment obviously to be able to do that. I still make little bits of jewellery and silver work from time to time and as presents. Uh, there's always a big list of things that people want me to fix for them because I have a workshop full of tools, so that means they think they can get me to mend things that they've broken but I also like to go out and walk around the countryside we have some very nice uh, places to walk around here either by the sea or in the country uh, I like to cook and eat and drink probably too much yeah. tell me what you I like to keep myself busy tell me what you like to cook eat and drink drink I, I like what we call here real ale um, which is similar to what I guess you have in your microbreweries in the U.S. Mm -hmm. uh, it's that like craft beer. That's probably my favorite thing to drink. I, I enjoy wine and whiskey as well, but I drink more beer than anything else. And I like to cook just about anything, especially something I haven't tried before. It's always nice to uh, be adventurous with my cooking. What's one of your favorite dishes that you like to whip up? I like cooking simple... Italian dishes are probably my favorite to uh, favorite to make. One of my favorite quick meals is uh, spaghetti with anchovies. It's a dish that takes 10 minutes, and, yeah, it's absolutely fantastic and very delicious. I've been doing a lot more cooking lately, and uh, one of my favorites lately has been a, a stuffed green pepper, which um, my mom used to cook those when I was a kid. And I've I looked up some different recipes and I've kind of um, added different things here and there to uh, try different things out and uh, it, it's been a lot of fun. But um, I'm gonna have to get some some recipes from you. Maybe we'll exchange some different ideas on uh, a couple little different um, dishes as well. Well, I would like to write a cookbook one day. A friend and I have said that we will we will get round to it one day and write ourselves a cookbook. But at the moment, we're still Cooking all the meals that need to go into the cookbook, consuming them, and then drinking too much <laughs> while consuming them, and then we forget to write down the recipe. Right. Um, as far as whiskeys go, if you're going to drink a whiskey, what are you going to drink? Glenmorangie is my absolute favorite. I like their whole range of whiskeys. They're really good. Uh, I do like to try all sorts of different whiskeys. Uh, I'm trying to think what I have open at the moment. I have about four bottles open. Two different bottles of Glenmorangie, um, and some others I can't remember. I probably go through them too quickly. For those listening who aren't um, as much into whiskey, that's a Scotch he's talking about. And 
let me ask you something about that. Do you prefer a certain age over another? I I don't. Uh, my only preference usually comes to the style and the location of the whiskey. I'm not a big fan of heavily peated whiskies such as Laphroaig or anything uh, from Aran or Islay, anything like that. I always find them bit too heavy, bit too petrolly, bit too smoky for my tastes. I really like the the light Highland whiskies, which is why I like uh, Glenmorangie so much, because they make a 10-year-old uh, single malt, and it is just absolutely delicious. Very light, lemony sort of flavor, and that's, that's my preferred style, really. Excellent. Um, personally, I, I actually like a, a, a pretty peaty... Um, scotch myself um, Laphroaig is actually one of my favorites but uh, based on your recommendation I'm going to have to give that a shot now and especially when you said uh, a lemony flavor that sounds very interesting to me it's, it's a very light lemony honey vanilla sort of taste to it it's very good very easy to drink which is always nice uh, what is on the chopping block right now what's what do you have on your on your plate right now that you're working on uh today i just finished up a batch of princes that are going to a retailer they requested um variations on a theme around the print shape so i've made six princes uh two smooth two sandblasted and two more and they all have different color stems different color fittings different color stains uh, they were just finished up a few hours ago, and then I have a couple of commissions on the books to start tomorrow or Monday, depending how I get on. What is the next big thing for Chris Askwith Pipes? I wish I knew. As, as, I, as I said to you earlier, at the moment, I'm still technically in between jobs. Um, <clears throat> I'm not, so I'm not really sure how things are going. Hopefully... The next big thing is that I get to retire, and that in between, I've been happy making pipes, and another sixty years have gone past. That sounds but like. Other a, than that, I don't know. That sounds like a very nice plan to me. <laughs> um, if it turns out well, I'll be a happy man. Right, right. Um, do you ever get over to the states? I do usually come over for the Chicago show each year. Uh, unfortunately, this year I'm not able to make it since I spent a very large amount of money setting myself up with a new sandblaster, and the prices for the flights jumped quite considerably. So this year it's off the cards, but I will be back again next year. All right. Well, I'm sorry I'm going to be missing you this year. I'll be there with a table, um, but I will certainly see you next year then. I'll bring some scotch. Hey, that sounds like a plan. Chris, thank you so much for um, taking the time out of your busy schedule to chat with us today. Well, and thank you for I, having me. Absolutely. I, I certainly appreciate it and um, love your work and can't wait to see more. And listeners, as you buy up this fellow's work, do me a favor and shoot me an email and let me know just how much you love it like I love mine. And thanks again, Chris, and I hope you have a great day, great night. It's nighttime over there. It is just coming up. Yep, it's almost half past seven in the evening. Great. Well, thank you so much, buddy. I'll, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks very much. And that was a chat with Mr. Chris Asquith, 
what a nice guy. Very talented, too. I can't wait to grab another one of Chris's creations for my personal collection. Speaking of creations, can we cue that, uh, cue the monster music? There we go. Very nice. Friends, I have an amazing assortment of creations available right now. Go to pipesandcigars.com. Check out all their lovely merchandise. Amazing selection of tobaccos, beautiful pipes, exquisite lighters, but tucked back in the corner is something very, very special. Use the search field. Put in four letters. O. L-I-E The name my parents gave me Are we Scandinavian? No We're Floridian But the two are often confused So in the search field put in Oli and what you'll find are the latest beasts ready for the bold, the daring, the slightly insane. And of course, you can also view some of my other work at umpal.com. A few words on Geist House series. These are the white sandblast finish pipes that you can see over at pipesandcigars.com as well as on my site. There's only five of them. These are really, really cool pipes. They come in these cool little haunted boxes. Only five available. They're numbered one through five. Geist House is German for ghost house. Am I German? No. I'm Floridian, but the two are often confused. So these Geist House pipes, they sat half made in Germany for 50 years or more. So who knows how old this wood is. I acquired them, finished drilling them, and proceeded to do my thing. That is to say, butcher them. Man, these are cool. Ghostly white, creepy box. Grab one before they're, yes, dead and gone. Cue the other music. Can we go back? Go back to the other music, please. Well, you've done it again. You've joined me on yet another stroll in the pipe country. I had a great time, and I hope you did too. And if you haven't already, shoot me an email asking to sign up for the email newsletter. It's the only way to be the first one to know about the podcasts and the pipes. It's also the only way to win free stuff. I will have a table at this year's Chicago Pipe Show. Please stop by and say hello if you're there. I would love to see you. Uh, do me a favor, follow me on Twitter, too. It's Baron Oli, B-A-R-O-N-O-L-I-E. This is Oli with Oompal.com, wishing you very good luck, 
trying to decide which Chris Asquith pipe will be next in your collection. <laughs>